son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Luke 1, 26-38 says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Matthew 1, 18-25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Luke 2, 8 through 21. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in a field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. 
And after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it, when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it's written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. John 1 1 through 18, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through Him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the, of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he whom I said, He comes after me, ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Mark 1, 14 and 15. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Father, whew, what incredible, incredible news. God, I'm so thankful that we have this story written from different authors, God, and, and placed in this book, your word, God, thank you for sending Jesus, and thank you for choosing the manner in which you did, a manner in which none of us would have ever chosen. God, but what a beautiful scene, what a beautiful sight, just in all its simplicity and humble beginnings. God, just thank you for this plan that you put in place. Thank you for sending your son. God, just be with us this morning as, as we get into, dig into a few thoughts, Lord, and just hopefully receive encouragement from your word, God. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's in his name we pray. Amen.
I want to share that. I, I just, you know, it's Christmas. I, I, I have a sermon, um, but uh, I just, man, I wanted to read the Christmas story because it feeds right into the sermon. We've been reading through the Bible all year long, and I'm about to have to stop saying that because we only got one Sunday left. Um, and uh, we're going to dig into the, the end next, next week, so that'll be fun. Um, but the plane is coming, coming in for a landing for sure. And so we've been, I want to highlight and talk about Hebrews today. And uh, the, the Hebrews was written about the time that the church was about 30 to 40 years old. You know, and so Jesus came and planted the church. And so if you start doing the math, right, and some adults were part of the church, obviously, and now it's been 30 to 40 years. So we got some old folks uh, up in the church, right? We do. And, uh, and like old folks, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I am one. I feel like some days and then you guys are like, oh, you don't know, wait till you're, <laughs> whatever. And I know we just keep saying that, right, because we keep aging. And so then we get to that age and we're like, oh, no, wait till you're this age now. And, but I don't know. I know a lot of times the older we get, maybe even as young people, uh, it's, it's, it's easy sometimes to look back on the past with nostalgia, to long for days gone by, you know, especially when we're going through troubled time. I mean, I, I've had the thought, probably everybody, man, I wish we could go back to before COVID. You know, I've heard people say that, right? And, uh, and, and so there's always these things, and, and sometimes we look backwards and we think, man, you know, I'm, I miss that, and I, I have this longing for that. And, and, and the Bible speaks into that in a couple different places, but it's, it's really kind of the heart of the, of the Hebrew uh, book right here because that's what's happening. We're, we're, getting, we're getting up in years, uh, several people in the church now, and, and they're looking back to how the things were. And we don't really know who wrote Hebrews. There's some guesses. It could be Paul. I, there's some Paul stuff in there, and then there's some stuff that doesn't seem like Paul. And so there's some argument about that and questions. But whoever it was, was, was tightly woven into what was going on because they have intimate knowledge of things, and Timothy's mentioned. And, and so, uh, so whoever, whoever was writing this wrote this to the church to remind them that Jesus is superior to everything. And I thought, what a fitting, what a fitting message today, you know, uh, to, to read about his birth and everything he came uh, to, to do and fulfill and, and, that, and to remind us that he's superior to everything going on in our life. And then there's a little bit of a Judaism tone to this because he was writing to the Jewish people uh, and, and reminding them about, hey, this is what you had. This is why Jesus is better. And he goes through chapters and chapters of this. And so we're just going to kind of break that down. And I mean, we're just going to glaze through it. These are all multiple sermon series, some of the stuff I'm about to share. And we're just going to talk about it. Because I just want to encourage you uh, this morning. Because, you know, part of following Christ is that reminder to keep the main thing the main thing. And it's so easy to get distracted for any of us. And sometimes it's distracted with things that are really good, but they're not him. Or they're not the way God really wants you to do something. And so we end up kind of getting sidetracked. And, and, uh, and I just want to bring us back to, hey, it is about, everything is about Jesus and through Jesus. And so the Hebrew writer reminds us of that. And we're going to talk about one of my favorite verses today. And I kind of want to leave you with that as, as we go out. And so, so the first thing is Jesus is a better revelation from God. All right. He is a better revelation from God. He, it start, I mean, that's how the book starts out. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. It says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. He's better, all right? That's a better version. Whom he appointed the heir of all things 
through whom also he created the world. So Jesus is a better revelation from God. Jesus is better than the angels. And you may be like, well, duh. But again, if we're talking about the Jewish people, even Mary, we just read about this. How did Mary receive this message from God? Through who? An angel. That's right. They showed up all over the New Testament at different times. They were God's messengers. Well, Jesus is a better messenger than they are. And so the Hebrew writers is trying to communicate that. So I'm not going to get into chapter 2, but that's what chapter 2 in Hebrews is all about. Hey, Jesus is better than the angels. All right. He is God's son, the messenger. Right. He's not just another messenger. He's the messenger. Um, Jesus is better than Moses. To Jewish people, I just said something really bad. You know, like Moses was held in, in such high esteem and he was put on a pedestal. He wrote the Pentateuch. Moses and people just I mean idolized him really I mean we see that and 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 so everything oh Moses you know Moses 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 and Jesus is better than Moses Hebrews 3 3 it says for Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself and so, again, he's just framing this for them because they're thinking back to days of mind. Oh, Moses, you know, and, and again, they just really idolize him a little bit. He's kind of, you know, obviously famous in their culture and what he's done. And, and, and he's like, hey, no, but Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the Sabbath day. Again, here we go stepping on toes because that's one of the Ten Commandments, man. And we still got people today that struggle with this. By the way, there, we still got people who try to cling to this Sabbath day idea. Uh, there's a whole church division out there that follows this idea. And Jesus is the Sabbath, okay? Uh, and again, we're talking about monstrous thoughts and sermon series is here in, in a quick glance. But Jesus did the works of the law, okay? So if you think back to creation, God come create, boom, 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 all this stuff. And then on the seventh day, he rested. And then he gives this commandment to, to rest also because there was these works going on, and it's not that we still don't have works going on, but now our rest is found in Jesus Christ because Jesus did the work. He did the ultimate work. And because of him, I now get to, to have rest in him, and our ultimate rest is coming, right? That's the reward time. It's coming. And it, so that doesn't mean we sit around lazy and wait on that, right? We have a mission, but it's different under the new covenant. It is different. And Jesus is the Sabbath. And, and so Christians, as we moved forward out of the, the resurrection of Jesus, we started meeting on Sundays. And we meet on Sundays, the first day of the week, because that's the day Jesus rose from the dead. And so even in the Bible times and even today, people, oh, Saturday is the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, I am the Sabbath. And remember, he went around challenging the mess out of that with his people uh, to get them to understand. It says in Hebrews 9, uh, 4, Chapter 4, 9 through 11. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Colossians 2.16 says, Therefore let no one pass judgment. So we're under the new covenant. Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink, or with regard to what? Festivals. All right, they're big festive people. They had a lot of festivals. Or a new moon or what? A Sabbath. All right? Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. So, you know, that they would 
they would rest and all this stuff. And then, and then uh, he goes on to say, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Our rest is coming. Okay. And I'm not telling, we do need to rest in Jesus. I, I believe that we need to have, I talk about that. Hey, having a Sabbath and what I mean by that is spending some time in the, the word, praying, and actually having some downtime with the Lord, you know, uh, not just taking a nap, but having some downtime where all the chaos kind of stops and, and we get some time with him. But our rest is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Sabbath. All right. He is the Sabbath. Jesus is better than the high priest. Again, a big, a big system for the Jews, right? We've got to go to the priest, and the priest's going to do all this stuff. And the priestly line came out of who? Aaron, right? Well, Jesus didn't come out of Aaron's line. Who did he come out of? David. That's right. So how was Jesus this high priest? And so he's reminding them, hey, he's in the line of Melchizedek. Again, whole other sermon thing to get into there. But he comes through the priestly line of Melchizedek. That's the reference that's made for him. Hebrews 7 uh, 27 it says he has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily first for his own sins and then for those of the people since he did this once for all when he offered up himself so jesus is our high priest he's the ultimate high priest right because he is the sacrifice and he did it all so we don't have that sacrificial system anymore because jesus paid the price for us Okay, so he's better than, than a high priest. And then Jesus is better than the old covenant. And again, man, these people wrestled with this because this was in play for so long for them. And then now there's this new covenant and like trying to, trying to like, okay, get through this. Um, it says in Hebrews 7, 8, chapter 8, verse 7, it says, For if that first covenant had been faultless, then there would, be, there would, would have been no occasion to look for a second. For, for he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers. On that day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. We heard all about that all year, right? Um, and so I show no concern for them, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall not teach each one each one his neighbor and each one his brother saying know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest for I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more in speaking of a new covenant he makes the first one obsolete and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. And so he's trying to get them to just, hey, embrace this, this new covenant. It's better. Jesus is better than the old covenant. The new covenant is better because it's him. Jesus is better than sacrifice. Again, thinking about the sacrificial system that they had, uh, chapter 9, verse 14 of Hebrews, it says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, Purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. 
he's the ultimate sacrifice, right? He did what no other sacrifice could, could do, and, and he fulfilled everything. And then Jesus is a better way to God. It's through faith, right? They, they looked back and they saw the, the works of the prophets or, or whoever, and, and then in Hebrews chapter 11, man, it's a great chapter to read. They call it the faith chapter. There's, they, they highlight all these things that people did, and it wasn't the works. It was their faithfulness that drove them to be obedient in action, right? But a lot of people attributed it to the work side of it, but it was the faithfulness that really gives them credit for believing in who God is and trusting him enough to do what he was saying through some really difficult things, right? So he's, he's, he's saying, hey, Jesus is a better way to God through faith. Hebrews eleven six, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. So no matter what you did, no matter what great act you did, if you did not have faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must, listen, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So I love the book of Hebrews. It's really, it's, again, I hope you're reading along with us. If you're not, man, read it. It's so good. And, it, and it's just this reminder that Jesus is superior in every way. And I thought, what a great thing to really talk about since we're there anyway. And it's Jesus' birthday, kind of not really, but we celebrate it, right? And, uh, and so it's his birthday, and, and it's just a reminder, like, man, what an amazing miracle and how God sent him and his life and his sacrifice and everything he's done for us. And he is superior. He's it. Everything is through him. Everything. So I want to end. I'm going to read the, the verse again. I read it. A little earlier this is one of my favorite verses because you know we've talked about the church man god jesus left he established his church and like we're we're the body now to to do his work and the mission and man we need to be i, I know it's easier i i grew up in a family of you know five brothers and sisters and uh i know i've shared this before like we used to beat the fool out of each other you know and go out in the yard, beat the fool out of each other, go in the house, beat the fool out of each other. And when mom and dad caught us beating the fool out of each other, they beat the fool out of us. Um, and, and so, you know, there's a lot of, there was, like, honestly, like, thinking back, there was a lot of mm, bickering and, like, just all that stuff. Now we're pretty, all pretty close. You know, we've grown up, and, and there's not that. It's fun to get together, and we encourage one another. And it's the same thing in the, in the, in the family of God. It's easy to, like, pick on each other or put each other down or fight and quarrel or have the issues and i just everything i read in the new testament everything i read in the new testament is about us edifying one another and loving one another and bearing with one another and being patient and gentle and kind it doesn't mean that we don't call sin sin right we sin's pretty serious business we talked about that but there's supposed to be this element of love in the body of believers that just blows people away because it doesn't make any sense it's radical, or as I like to say, it's just biblical. It's just biblical. It's just the way he designed us. So Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. You can hang on to, to that confession, that who Jesus is and, and that, that, that trust that you put in him because he is faithful. And because of that, let us consider how to stir one another up. Again, you just think about how we act sometimes. We stir each other up into not good stuff. 
Let us consider how we stir one another up to love and good works. How can I stir you up to love more and to do good works? And like, how do you do that for me? And, and we're supposed to be considering that. And not neglecting to meet together. We've been talking about the church and why it's important. It is important. This is not just some casual social gathering. It impacts spiritual things that are going on in this world. It does. It matters. And, and we treat it, some people treat it way too casually. The church matters. Don't neglect meeting together. It's important to be with your, the family of God, the body of believers. It's important, as is the habit of some. But instead of neglecting to meet together, we're going to meet together, and we're going to encourage one another in all the more as you see the day drawing near. Brothers and sisters, it's closer today than it was yesterday. I don't know when it's coming, and it's easy to look around and think it might be next week. <laughs> but it is coming. It's coming. And I want to live this thing out, and I want you to live this thing out. And that takes...